hit it. All right. We are good. We are good. Adam, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, it's great to be here. It's nice for you to be on my show. I've been on your show a couple of times and uh, always had a great amount of fun with the, the guests that you pull on. Uh, so, yeah, I really appreciate that and appreciate all the work that you've done in the space, which uh, we're going to get talking about a lot. Uh, so, but first of all, I have to hand over the, um, the mic to Lauren here because she always asks the first question. So, what's your question for Adam? Hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm great. <laughs> Good, thank you. Um, so my question is, um, why do you start a YouTube channel? Oh, well, that's a broader question, isn't it? I didn't start a YouTube channel because of Bitcoin. I started it because of Baltimore, where I'm from. Uh, back uh, in the pre in the first decade of this century, this millennium, I uh, I was a uh, activist in Baltimore. Uh, where I'm from. It's a city on the East Coast, uh, right north of Washington, D.C. And uh, I got a bunch of people to move to this one rundown block in, the, in Baltimore City. And we fixed up houses and lived in the houses. We didn't flip the houses. We lived in the houses. It was called the Buy a Block Project. And I got into all sorts of Baltimore activist-related activities <laughs> because of it because I had to deal with the government and the crime and uh, all sorts of drama. And I, I started to document my uh, Baltimore adventures and you, YouTube would just come around uh, around then. So uh, uh, that's why I started the channel for, for Baltimore related reasons. I was going to eventually expand it into like a, a Baltimore news channel. But, you know, I was making these Baltimore videos, not too many people were interested in them. Um, and then when Bitcoin came along, I, I decided to make one Bitcoin video and uh, it, it generated more energy and uh, more interest. And I, I really got going with that. So, um, you know, Baltimore will always have a special place in my heart, <laughs> but uh, Bitcoin totally took over on, on the video side. So that's, uh, that's why I started making videos uh, for Baltimore related videos. Uh, that's why I opened the channel. It's just totally Baltimore stuff. It was called Baltimore Hourly was the original name of the channel. And it's still in some of my email addresses, but it became the, the Bitcoin Meister uh, channel when I became the Bitcoin Meister. And I was going to ask you to do the intro so Lauren could uh, hear your intro because you have the best intro of any show. Uh, so, you know, if you want to run it past Lauren, you know, rub some stank on it. She doesn't believe. I told her, Adam's a cool, fun, crazy guy. You're going to have fun with him. And she's like, why is he cool, fun, and crazy? I'm like, well, you just wait. Well, so, you go didn't on. say he was cool and fun. You said he was crazy. Well, that's what he <laughs> That was the... <laughs> that was the implication. Right now, I'm, I'm the uncool Adam, so I got to, like, change. Hang on. Hello everyone, this is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the One Bitcoin Show. Today is May the 27th, 2021. Strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin, golden age of the 2020s. You're lucky to be a young one in this golden age, I'll tell you that. Offended by selling. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You see how you can just yeah. switch on like yeah. that? 
I mean, yeah. th this is this is a guy that uh, have you, Daddy, did you, you study media or anything when uh, when you were in college, or is this just something that like you're just naturally drawn to? I I can just uh, turn it on and off, and I I just want to point out to everyone, this is me. This is I only drink water, so when I can turn that energy on, it's coming from inside, and I, I think it's very. Some people don't get it. They they think it's something something's off. Why, why can he just turn it on and off without coffee or soda or worse? No, I mean, if you've got the natural love of life and energy, you should be able to just, you know, just eat it up with your with your own inside force. Yeah, I don't I don't use anything to to change uh, my insides. No uh, medications or anything. I mean, I'm trying to keep it family friendly. I don't want to use bad words. Um, but uh, no, I I I, I love life, uh, and uh, it's nothing that I learned. It's just I've always had this energy. I mean, once I remember in art class, a teacher was like, why are you smiling? And I was just like, I smile. I just thought I was laughing at her or something like that. Man, that, that must have been weird as a kid. With Were you ever like, um, always turn off FaceTime Daniel? Oh, my goodness. Ah, of, of all the shows, you know, when you're dealing with um, with pros such as, uh, as Adam, uh, all right. Do you want to say goodbye to Adam and then go take that yeah, call because yeah, it's okay. Nanny and Granddad? Yeah, yeah. I won't okay. edit this. This is all part of the craziness. Uh, so should Check I take out. your phone or should I? Yeah, just take the phone. Wait, yeah. this one. Okay. Say goodbye to Adam. Bye. Thank you. Bye. bye. Well, you know, I, 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 that's what I love about these. That's how I do my shows. I don't edit anything. I love interruptions. I love when people come running in or something happens or something. I mean, that's the net. You, because I want people to know who I really am, to see what my real life is, you know, what life is. Because when people meet me in person, they're like, yeah, that's the guy that I saw on YouTube. That's you. Oh, it is. It is. It really is. So I, I love when things happen like that. The people get a little glimpse of the inside of my life. So I was going to ask you, if you were this bouncy at school, man, that must have been a tough time because, uh, you know, those four walls aren't really kind of built for kids with a, a high amount of energy that love life and want to have fun during the day and, you know. Well, I do have, a, I have, a, I have another talent and uh, I, I can definitely focus. I can definitely focus and turn it off. And so I, when I was in the, I played by their rules. I knew how to play by the rules. Um, I, when I look back at, uh, at school and, you know, I don't think I really grasped what learning was. I knew what it took to get good grades. So I would just understand it to a point and remember the information to a point where I could regurgitate. I was such a regurgitator of information. Uh, I, did, I didn't get that. You, I mean, I guess because I wasn't really interested in, in, in the stuff. Um, but it didn't, it didn't frustrate me. I just thought that was the way school was like, you got it. You have to get good grades. So get good grades. And the way I figured out to get good grades is, uh, and they weren't the best grades, but, uh, it was to regurgitate stuff. I always enjoyed going to recess afterwards. I loved playing, uh, you know, soccer or baseball with my friends, uh, and get, getting outside. I, I did enjoy that, but it, I was able to control myself inside very well. Uh, I can, uh, I can definitely listen. Uh, and I, I had, I had listening comprehension. If they, you know, if they told me to do this, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't stick out too much um, other than, you know, the smiling and stuff. <laughs> uh, but I, I didn't try to offend. I didn't, I didn't try to question them or, uh, uh, you know, the teachers. And I went to private school. So it was, 
it was a pretty safe environment. Like, who knows what it would, thank God my parents, you know, they worked very hard to make sure I didn't have to go to public school. It, it could have been a lot different and, and things probably would have turned out uh, in a completely, in a, who knows. Who knows, but it, hey, it, it worked out fine. And uh, it, it really wasn't until I was after college, <laughs> even in college, I was just still trying to uh, regurgitate stuff, really. Um, I mean, there were some subject matters that I became a little bit more interested in and some things that really stuck in my head. But there were just some classes you have to take to get the business degree. And like, I remember finance class. I didn't really understand what I was even learning back then. I was just regurgitating it. And, and with college too, I was just there to, you know, I, I could play by the rules, I could get the good grades, but I wasn't that interested in, in again, learning. I was there to have fun and socialize and I, I did have a great time. It was a really great experience. Um, but uh, it, it, again, it wasn't until after college, and thank God for the internet, that I really started to like want to understand more about life in general and just, uh, yeah, and that my creative side really came out afterwards. Uh, and my, my unique B side uh, re really took control of things. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's just, that, that's, a, that's a long answer to your, uh, what was school like for you, Adam? <laughs> Did you slide into a fiat career at that point, straight out of college, do the, uh, the usual thing, go find a job? What, what, was, what was that next uh, little well, that, stepping stone? That, that's interesting um, because I, I had an internship in college um, because I thought, all right, it's your junior year, it's the summer, you're supposed to get a job eventually. Thus, the, the summer before you look for a job, uh, you're supposed to look for an internship and you wish we'll get an internship anywhere. It doesn't matter. And I got it like a, at a boring big corporation and I saw what that was and I thought that was normal. Uh, but the, the, the dot com thing was, it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with the internet, really. I think my, my job uh, dealt with the internet a little bit. Uh, for me, I mean, I was, I had a marketing degree, so it wasn't in the marketing uh, side of this uh, company. Uh, but, but when I got back uh, to college, again, what I loved about college was like my free time. And I really got into the internet at college, into, uh, of all things, well, I, I've always been a big Baltimore sports fan, but uh, I got into uh, the, the, the Baltimore Ravens football team and just battling people online and, and making websites and going to forums. And I really got the, the hang of the forums and they, I taught myself to make a website. And uh, was there, you know, you didn't, didn't teach you that in uh, college, how, how to use HTML, but I, I taught myself that. So because of the, the activities I was doing on my free time, well, <laughs> most of my free time in college, there's a lot of partying and stuff, but, but the, the productive activities I was doing on my uh, free time, uh, I didn't want to, I wanted to get a job in the internet and like college wasn't even offering, like they, they just put you on this path of like working for these Anderson consulting or whoever, Accenture, whatever it was, uh, and just all these boring jobs. So I had the desire to, to work for a, a, a dot com at least that, that was, so that wasn't really, that was beyond, that was different. That was being a unique beast. I mean, it really, it sort of was a, it wasn't a giant corporate mega, that, that was really the fiat job of the time. So uh, yeah, I, I did, I was able to somehow on my own 
uh, find find a, a job at, at a uh, at an internet company. Yeah, and I, I had to go to I had to go to New York. I, I started in New York, and then I was in uh, uh, Silicon Valley. And but I got taught, even though it was much better than working at a giant corporation, much much more freedom. I mean, um, and I, I was I was learning skills, definitely internet skills. Uh, but I, but some of the older people they just could not grasp the internet, and they just had an old school take on everything. And it was frustrating sometimes working with these people. And I think what started coming out in me was that although I, I could work with all sorts of different people and I could really explain things well to others that were on the same level as me or a little bit beneath me, the people who were my bosses, just if we weren't on the same level, there was just this conflict. Like I didn't want to do what they were telling me to do, but they didn't know what they were talking about. So what I, Way back then, I even figured out, you know, this internet thing, why do I have to be living in the most expensive part of the country? Why do I have to be living in San Francisco area or, the, or in the Manhattan area? Why, you know, the internet gives us all this freedom. Why can't I start my own business back in, in Baltimore City? So my frustration with my bosses, and they weren't bad people or anything, it's just they were kind of behind the times, um, just led me to, to go back to Baltimore and start my own business and really kind of you know, I'm like, I can save money. I can just run it from my apartment. <laughs> and that's what I did. I started my own business. I, I ran it from my apartment. I mean, it sounds so familiar now. Everybody's running a business over Zoom. They work for themselves. They don't have to work. They can telecommute and all this stuff. I was doing this years ago, years ago. So I, I started, so I got out of, I mean, I'm still earning fiat, of course, but it was not a traditional, I was not traditional at all. And uh, I, I then was able to buy a, a really cheap house in a bad neighborhood and, and, and do what I was talking about beforehand, this buy a block, block project. Uh, and I was, you know, I, I'm, I was always able to make money just all sorts of different ways from renting out parts of my house, from running my own business, uh, from doing something that I loved, like uh, I like karaoke. So I started my own karaoke on Thursday nights. I, think I, was, I was doing it at an El Salvadoran bar. I would do, you know, and it was just enjoying life doing things outside the box. I'm sure this is not shocking anyone that's familiar with my show because I say be a unique beast. Well, I've been a unique beast uh, for quite some time. But I, what I would love to do is I, I, I got into uh, just on the internet, it was literally just sports. And with sports, it was, I've got a statistical mind or a numeric mind. So I just loved it. I gobbled up all the numbers and remembering all the records. But I got into, you know, in, in, you know, when you're going around the internet, you see all sorts of stuff. And I got into economic sites, alternative economic sites, and learning about anarchy and, and Doug Casey. And like, I am not, I didn't know about any of these philosophical stuff in college. I didn't, I didn't deal with philosophy in college. You really should. I mean, back in the, in the old days, that's why you went to college. You learned the philosophy. But by the time I, I came along, I, and now it's horrible. You don't learn anything. It's, it, but uh, it, philosophy should be a, I mean, I bet at my private school back in the day they used to teach philosophy. That should be really a subject matter everyone learns. But it's it's for intelligent people. It's it's, it's you know they, they kind of dumb everything down so everyone. That's not what college was supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about high achievers. I could have understood philosophy, but I had no. But you start learning about it on the internet, it, it blows you away. And it's really you know I was just into just such a I was into such traditional politics, left versus right, and. I, even though I'd studied political science and everything, I, you know, I, I knew how they did it in Europe and I knew how they did it. They had more political parties in Europe than they did in America, but I didn't, you know, go deeper than that. And with the internet, 
I, I, it just opened up my mind and opened up my mind to, to, to money also. And again, technology. So when I would eventually see the combination of technology and money with this Bitcoin thing, I was like, oh yeah, this is awesome because I'm in the money. I'm into technology. Uh, I'm into alternative ways of looking at things now. It, that, that took a little while to get into that. Um, but, but, and, and so it, it was the perfect, uh, perfect time to find all that stuff. And, uh, but, but I did get into, before I found Bitcoin, I, I was looking at these. And, and, but the sad thing was all these alternative ways of looking at the economy, they seemed to revolve around doom at the time. Like everything is going to fall apart. You need to have your your gold and the, to, to build a bunker in your basement and oh it's about to fall apart now because obama's president it's, it's the time has come it's all going to it's it's going to end the housing crisis is going to turn into this and it's just everything's going to fall but through living life and observation i saw wait a second he doesn't control the world and like people are still doing pretty well and people did well during the great depression this is no great depression so I, I started to take the emotion out of politics too. I think that's very important for people to do today, but it seems like since then, since 2011, since 2009, 10, 8, people become much more emotional about politics and it's become such a much, a much bigger part of their lives. But I, I was able to remove, take them down from a pedestal. I did used to put politicians on a pedestal. I thought they, could, they would control the destiny of my life on a certain level, but you have to understand no, you have complete control over the destiny of your life. Uh, you know, if, if you're in an authoritarian regime, get out. Um, if you're in a state where there are no jobs because they, they've done insane, the, the politicians have uh, created insane regulations, get out. Get out. Find a way out. You've got a brain that can fit. Don't be a tree. Be in motion. That's that's one of my sayings. But okay, I I rambled on there for a little while. <laughs> Well, Adam, I've got nothing to, no threads to pull on with that little rant. Like, get, <laughs> I, I, I'm actually trying to imagine you taking emotion out of anything, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, the, you know, the fact that you managed to take emotion out of politics, uh, being such an emotional guy. But you touched on something there that I've, I've brought up before and um, touched on this. And the, you, you're, you're a millennial, I'm guessing. Um, or are you... I'm something out there. I don't even know yeah. what I am anymore. But I'm uh... I've lived my life, but can you continue, continue? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the this this problem in the workplace that I saw I saw started to manifest as well, which was very concerning. That the the new guys coming into the workplace were coming in with all of these skills that the older guys just had no idea what was going on, and the business was changing so quickly, and the legacy guys just for whatever reason, dug their heels in and he's like, no, this is how we do it. And this is what we do. And this is the process. Sit down, shut up. But these younger guys are like, you, like you were saying, that makes no sense. I can fix that. I can fix that in a second and we can speed this process up like 10 X, a hundred X. Why would you not do that? And that's where this whole narrative was born that, uh, you know, millennials are entitled and they're lazy and all of this kind of crap. And it was just this complete misunderstanding of the, technical shift that had happened um, within our technology and within the um, the younger generation just like grasping this technology so quickly and I could I still can't understand so if if I you know look at the boomer generation um, I was talking to this uh, with, a, with a friend of mine the other day I'm like think about the technology shift these guys went through you know they when they were kids they were taking baths in like tin cans 
in water that uh, their mother had warmed up on the stove, right? And it was crazy. But then all of a sudden, come the 70s, they've got black and white televisions, color televisions. Then they've got uh, video recorders, uh, VCRs, Betamax, whatever. Then you've got microwaves, washing machines, dishwashers. This explosion of technology. Then come the computers. Then comes the internet. And they're like, nah, fuck that, we're done. And uh, that, there's too much technology going on here. And they've never embraced it. It's, it's the weirdest fucking thing. Um, and I know I'm painting a broad brush across boomers and please don't DM me or whatever else. But I think people are probably getting the, the, the you know, the, the point I'm trying to make. Um, so I can understand and I have empathy with, with the younger guys that are coming into these legacy financial businesses and just hitting a brick wall, especially after four years of college and, you know, masters or PhDs, whatever, and to get there and see what it is. Well, the, the, you, you mentioned a master's. I think some of the MBAs who got MBAs a long time ago, they are just stuck in whatever was ingrained. I think that was part of the problem I recognized back then, that they had their MBA, they, they earned their MBA, they were going to do it their way, the way they were taught. And it's not their fault that uh, some MBA guys just did not have, do not have technical understanding of technology, at least. I mean, they, they like uh, Procter & Gamble. They know how to run Procter & Gamble. That, that's, that's what they, and it, it, this ain't Procter & Gamble anymore. All right, so uh, it, it's, that, that was the clash that, that I saw going on. So it, it, it's, not, it's not necessarily, I mean, they're not open to new ideas. They just have, well, they're not. <laughs> they're in, they, they have something ingrained in their head that worked for years and years. And Again, I noticed quite a few years ago, you didn't need to be corporate anymore. You didn't need a, a, a corporate headquarters. And they're only waking up to this now. And part of the reason is, is because of the, edu the MBA-based education. You, you don't really even need, you don't need an MBA. I don't, MBA just re repeats everything we learned in BSBA in undergrad. It's just much more intense. I mean, I, I saw, when I was getting my BSBA, I, I, I went to college at Washington University in St. Louis, by the way, for anyone wondering out there. Um, and I'm from Baltimore, Maryland originally. I think people get that. And St. Louis is like the Baltimore of the Midwest, by the way. So it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a big change for me. But, but I would see the MBAs around. And, and they would have like the same textbooks that we did. But it was just, it, it was more in, in, intense. And it, it just, you, you get your MBA when you already have like six years of work experience. So you do have a new take on things. But uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's textbook type of stuff that, that was written who knows how many years ago. And, and to really, right now, it's, it's not about textbooks anymore. It's not, it's, everything evolves every freaking year. That's what I said to your daughter. It's the golden age. Things are moving so, so fast now, so fast. I mean, we're talk, I'm talking about 2011 you know, and 12, whatever, discovering Bitcoin back in the day. Things move much better. The, tech, the phones are so much better now than back then. I mean, you've got to get smartphones. Everyone's got a smartphone. And back then, I mean, it, wasn't, it wasn't like that. I'm saying back then, it was only 11 years ago. It's, it, it's amazing. This golden age is amazing. But what it does is it, it just really, um, it, it can put people that are set in their ways just way behind, behind the curve and they're going to miss out. And that's why, I mean, they could have fun staying poor. And, and they're not really staying poor. They're just staying where they are. But if you're willing to just pivot all the freaking time, not get stuck in these MBA paradigms, I don't even know if they have MBAs anymore now. I mean, everybody took a year off in the world. So who knows? I mean, so the, the one, well, an okay thing about this year off 
is that I think a lot of people woke up to this college paradigm, whether it be undergrad or, or, or graduate, it's just not worth it anymore. I mean, uh, it's, it's you know, why, you know, you can just uh, you start your own business in your house, move around the, the whole world, get a new apartment here, there, just always be changing. You don't need to, to worship the corporate uh, HQ uh, paradigm anymore. And this is what you do, right? And I want you to talk about this. You, you have this digital nomad lifestyle and you've been doing it for a long time. As, as far as I'm aware, you, you've been living in Airbnbs for a, a fair amount of time. Yes. So again, I, I did have that house in Baltimore, and, but I, I got rid of that eventually uh, in the uh, middle of the teens here. So I have been on the road, really on the road since uh, 2016, 2017. Yeah. And it's just Airbnb to Airbnb to Airbnb. Or, or I, I, befriend, uh, I befriend an Airbnb person and then I, I rent from them outside of Airbnb. You know, on a, you know there's a, in LA, I've got a guy that I've, I've, I've become friends with. But no, there's no, there's no permanent home. I have to go back to Baltimore four times a year. Uh, to, to, to the family compound to take care of business for holidays. Um, but, you know, my love of Baltimore, I, it's not the same. I love the people of Baltimore. I love my family, my friends and everything. But man, it is a, it is a dangerous place. It is a dangerous, you know, all, all, all the young hip people are like, oh, it's not that bad here. Come on. It's this is what you have to deal with in an inner city, the drugs and the crap. No, it's extreme. It is extreme in Baltimore. Okay. I've been to cities all over this planet. The only thing that can compare is like uh, South Africa in, in terms of a danger. South, South African cities are, are more dangerous. Um, you have to live in a, a walled-in compound. I mean, the houses are beautiful, but they're behind walls and razor wire. Have you been to South Africa before? Uh, it, no, but I know, I know this. I know this. Yeah. I've been to Bitcoiners' houses there, and they, they, they deal with it. You know, during the day, you're, you're, there's activities to do outside. You're on your bike. It, it's good weather at night. People, the supermarkets close early. It's it's really extreme. But but Baltimore is a uh, you know at Baltimore at night on the streets you can get jacked. I mean you really can get jacked. I uh, that was one of the things that woke me up to to, to make me a digital nomad. In, in 2013, I was I was walking to the club one night and uh, uh, two youth approached me and uh, pulled out a gun. And it was either fight or flight, baby. And I ran into the streets screaming. And they ran in the other direction, thank God. And uh, the police came. And, you know, with me, I was so happy afterwards. I was so happy to be alive. I, I was just on fire. It was like I was on every drug in the freaking world. And again, I do no drugs. I was just so happy. You know, some people, you know, when they get a, a gun pulled on them like that, it, it's a very, it's a bad experience. They have nightmares about it. Oh, no, it was the complete opposite with me. It was like this feeling of victory. They did not take my life. They did not take my money. I get to go to the club with a police escort and I'm telling everybody and I'm like, I'm getting out of here. I'm, I'm getting out of Baltimore. I cannot die here and I, I have to see the world. And, uh, and shortly after that's when I bought my first two Bitcoin too. It was all in, uh, yeah, yeah. So that it, everything changed. Uh, and so that was a very positive thing. 
and uh, yeah, I can I can make jokes about whatever happened then. I mean, it was it was it was a real quick thing, and uh, thank God it, was, it, it ends really badly for some people. Obviously, it ended, it it changed my life in, in an awesome uh, a, to a totally awesome way, and just really got me in motion. Because I was a little stuck. I was loyal to Baltimore City. I was loyal to the project. I'm like, I can't leave this. I started this project. I started this house. I can't be greedy and, and, and make a profit off of this house. I had that old, even though I was learning about different uh, financial paradigms and different financial ways of looking at things philosophically, I still had the, the guilt and, and uh, felt like I, I owed Baltimore something. But after that, that gun got pulled out, yeah, it, it, it changed. It changed. It changed real fast. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad it did. So <laughs> I forgot what the question was. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's a crazy story. So how did you find Bitcoin then? I mean, like you, you've had this experience and then uh, obviously start, you know, thoughts start clicking into place for you. How on earth did you, what, what was it? An article, a, a conversation, a pod? Well, but before, and before that 2013, August 2nd, 2013 experience on the streets of Baltimore, I knew about Bitcoin. It was just that made me change my life to finally get me to buy the darn Bitcoin. But I found out about Bitcoin through the uh, economic, the alternative economic site. So, I mean, Doug Casey didn't talk about um, Bitcoin, but he was one of the guys who just woke me up to just, you know, stop worshiping these politicians. And you can, you know, there's, there's different ways of looking at, you know, Different, uh, different ways of looking at things politically and financially than people traditionally do in, in the United States. And I found, I don't like saying the name of the site because the cool thing about Bitcoin, the craziest people in the world can be in the Bitcoin and you can't do anything about it. <laughs> they can own Bitcoin and you can. Bad people can own Bitcoin. But back after Doug Casey, I, I was led into something called the uh, dollar vigilante. And he was talking about Bitcoin early on. There is no doubt about it. You have to say he, he was talking about Bitcoin early on uh, before he, I guess his drug problem or alcohol problem really hadn't taken over his life at that at point because he, he did become crazier in the head and he made up something called the Shemitah that was a completely, that the world was, he was a real doomer, real into the doom and gloom. But it was, it was because of him that I did learn about Bitcoin. <laughs> and there were probably some other sites I don't remember that, that would bring it up. And because I, you know, it was in 2011, I, he probably was talking about it. And so I probably, I definitely heard about it by 2012. And I, and I was here, you know, RT, I think would even talk about it occasionally. Um, and I found out about RT because of all those, and, and RT can be, you know, hit or miss. I mean, they, they present some interesting uh, ways of, uh, of looking at uh, politics and money. Um, but you know, they, they have their biases definitely too, but they did talk about Bitcoin early on and had, had, you know, Mac, from that, I did learn, you know, Max Kaiser. I'm not a big fan of Max Kaiser or anything like that either, because I can remember when Max Kaiser was talking about altcoins and stuff, you know, he, and you know, I, I do not agree with him politically on, on many different things to, to say the least. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, those dudes back then who own, well, I don't know if, if uh, Dollar Vigilante still owns Bitcoin, but uh, you know you can't prevent them from owning Bitcoin and, and having their political opinions. But I was I was willing to you know despite my differences with those dudes, I didn't run away from Bitcoin. It, it triggered my interest in it and uh, kept it in my head. And uh, you know there was some FOMO in 2013. Like I, I can remember at the beginning of 2013, there was a big pump, and I was interested in it, but I didn't want to send money to Mount Gox. And it just it sounded. I'm not wiring money to Japan. 
I'm not doing that. That's not what Americans do. We don't need to wire money. That's something they do in like Africa or something. Like, I would not do, I don't trust that. I don't wire money. It sounds like something from 1980. I'm not, I, why is this hard? It shouldn't be. So that turned me off. And then I saw it drop. And I'm like, oh, good, it dropped. That means I didn't miss, but, it, but I was like, yeah, good. It, it, maybe it's just a fad. Maybe it's just a fad. But uh, when, when, it, when it started pumping again, and I had already lived uh, through the experience of my life uh, being threatened and that I wanted to change everything. Um, and Coinbase was around also by the end of 2013, just everything came together. So in November of 2013, I bought two Bitcoin and I immediately started talking about it to my friends at Thanksgiving. It was, it was right before Thanksgiving. And I just became a big talker about it. And I had this Baltimore uh, video channel. So I was like, why don't I make a Bitcoin video? And so I made a bit, I made a Bitcoin video. Uh, and that, that was my first one in, in 2013. But, uh, and that, I mean, I had skin in the game at that point. I mean, I just, I just kept talking about it and was so interested. And I, uh, even though I still owned a house in Baltimore at, at that time, uh, I, I went on a big, uh, I don't know, a big travel binge uh, at the beginning of 2014. And uh, well, at least I wasn't in Baltimore. I was in LA and uh, I, uh, was buying more Bitcoin slowly but surely and just learning more and more from the, the few resources that were out there back then. There was no, there was no Bitcoin social media. There were a few guys did uh, YouTube videos and it, it was so small. You know, the, the, the Bitcoin podcasting YouTube stuff, it didn't get big until the altcoin stuff went crazy in 2017 because it was, it was so much, all of a sudden you had all this altcoin trash out there. Uh, in, in 2017, like e even in 2016, there was just a few YouTubers, and I was one of them. I was one of the uh, one of the dude. But I mean, now it's just exponential. It's like it, I mean, which is good. It, it's great that so many people are talking about it. So many normies, so many people who do not get it at all have channels. I mean, they just they know how to follow the algorithm. They know what keywords to put in there. They don't even know that you know it's it's going to crash. It's going to zero. It's going to a million. It's going. I mean, one thing the most ridiculous headline grabbing stuff, mindless stuff you could talk about, they talk about. Back in the day, when people would say, I think it's going to zero, when it, they really did in 2015. There were people that were scared of that. It was great to freaking live through the era where you knew like, that's not legitimate fun anymore. It's freaking 2016. It's going up now. It's not going to zero. We made it through this freaking thing, dude. We made it through this freaking thing. And I was then when I got into Penny Lickham, who a lot of people don't like anymore. Um, but he was saying, he's like, this in 2017, it's going to be $3,000. And, and this is in 2016 when it was like $500. And he said, it, it's come out of its doldrums. It's going up. Eventually countries are going to buy this stuff for their, uh, for their reserves. And I'm like, and that really stuck in my head. I'm like, yeah, that, that is going to happen eventually. Um, I, I gotta I gotta really ramp up my buying. And so I ramped up my buying and I ramped up my video making too in 2016. And you can see it in my videos. I'm getting as the halving was approaching, I'm getting crazier and crazier with this stuff. Because I was I kept on buying and buying and buying. I wanted to buy, like I got into my head, I gotta buy as much before this happened. I gotta buy because it, it might get stuck at, at, at a high price because it, it, would, it, would, it, would, it would go up. Before the heavy, it was ramping up, you know, 400, 500, 600, finally 700. I'm like, oh my God, I can't miss out. And I, I was buying, I was buying plenty at 700. And then after that, well, first of all, before the halving, I think there was a, there was a hack of some sort. It crashed 
And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I bought all this for 700, it's 500, okay. And but there were people that were like, oh, people were so stupid to buy you 700, it's 500 now. And uh, no, 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 it, it was good. I got to the goal that I wanted to get to. And I just, within a few months, I, you know, by the end of the year, I had a big smile on my face because I saw like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that 700 was a darn, it was a darn good deal. And, uh, you know, by, by the time 2017 started, it never went back to 700 again. Never, ever, ever. So, uh, yeah, I, I've seen, I really got the hang of things, you know, so for the next, so one of my sayings right after that was like 2020 having strong hand, strong hand, you've got to be able to make it people, because I made it to this 2016 thing, I saw some, I saw it go a little below 200 for a few seconds there in, in 2015. Um, and I just said, I've seen the worst of this, you guys got to be able to do it too. It's a four freaking year cycle, this having thing is legitimate. Um, it's the best freaking monetary, the most reliable freaking monetary policy out there. I mean, if that's one, that's one easy takeaway anyone can should get from Bitcoin. We've got all these monetary policies all over the world. They're constantly changing. Con you know, the United States. I mean, you got a pretty good idea. They, they're they're going to print a lot of money. It, it's but it's a pretty capitalistic country. They're not going to change things too much i mean certain, certain countries it's just it's insane you never know what they're going to do one day or the other with bitcoin it does not change they're 21 million it's every four years there's a halving it's it, it can't be printed out it's it's very simple it's very boring and some people just can't take the boring but there is value in that boredom that because we're living in a world now you know we, again we, we sit how many how, how quickly things are changing there's no truth anymore. There's no reliability. Everyone is lying. Everyone is changing everything from day to day. You might think you're getting into one thing, but you just flip the switch on. No, 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 that's not what you really bought, dude. That's not what it really is. But with Bitcoin, it does not change. It is the security truth machine. A lot of normies, they don't get it. They don't care about the lies. That's just the way life is. I mean, in certain certain countries, they've been brought up this way in Argentina. Yeah, every 10 years, it's going to change. Every 10 years, it's going to get inflated away. Every 10 years, we're going to get robbed. That's that's government. That's just the way it is. We get robbed every 10 years. That's nonsense, dude. That is, when this alternative is available, when this, and I have been to Argentina, and I have, you know, I've talked to smart Argentines who've gotten the Bitcoin. I don't see how they all don't get into it at this point. I've been to South Africa, as I mentioned before, and I, I know plenty of Bitcoiners there who have saved their tuchlises, okay? But the RAND is freaking, the RAND isn't as bad as the Argentine peso, obviously. But it can be, at any moment, it could be. Their government, they do the most, they do radical things over there. You don't know, their monetary policy changes real quick when they say, oh yeah, well maybe we're gonna take the farmer's land now. I mean, that was, that was a legitimate thing that came up in 2018. We're going to follow Zimbabwe's lead, a complete failure. I mean, every Zimbabwean is trying to get into South Africa because of what Zimbabwe did. And now South Africa wants to do what Zimbabwe did. It's, it's insane. So why mess with these sociopathic leaders? Uh, you see what they do, what they can do with their central banks and their monetary price when there's something nice and boring and never changing that's out there that anyone can get into in any decrepit country on the planet. You can get into it, okay? If you've got an internet connection, obviously in North Korea they don't have an internet connection, so that's that's a little bit different. And I've never been there, nor do I plan to go there until they are free. But um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, the boredom of, of Bitcoin, the the, uh, the impulsive uh, 
generation, they're going to still be impulsive and ignore it. It's, you know, there are all these people out there that say it's the key to saving the world financially. It's going to destroy fiat. No, 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 no. It's, it's for smart people to opt into because the, the, the 80%, they're never going to get it. They're never going to get it. They love being slaves and it is going to be an awesome alternative to preserve the wealth of people whose wealth, wealth it, des it deserves to be uh, preserved because they've gone the extra mile to learn. They've earned it, okay? That's justice, okay? I don't care about social justice. I care about you know individual justice. It's justice that I work hard, I learn, uh, I figure out a way to preserve my wealth. I'm able to preserve it. There's that option for me. If you don't want that, I mean, you're not gonna, your wealth isn't gonna be preserved if you don't take the the, uh, the initiative to, to figure out how to do it. If you just are Joe Normie, you are going to get inflated away and you're gonna be forced to keep up with the Joneses and just be a, on a hamster wheel working for the corporations. Uh, and not that all, I mean, the corporate entity is, is a necessity, I guess, in, in the world, but you don't have to do that. You could be, you can live an outside the box, uh, technologically based lifestyle if you want to, but you, you've got to make some choices, okay? And if you want to be a unique beast, Bitcoin is that option. That is definitely out there for people. But most people are not going to figure it out. Most people, fiat is not going away. And the, the most popular fiat in the world is the U.S. dollar. It will become more powerful in terms of its fiat dominance once the Fed coin comes into existence. And everyone in the planet will have easy access to this Fed coin thing. And a lot of them will dump their third world currencies, okay? So they, they, some of these third world currencies, they, they definitely are going to be gone, okay? It, it's uh, the, the bigger currencies of the world will be what more people rely on uh, more and more. And, and, and cryptocurrency stuff, but most people, again, will just, they will opt into what is, whatever is easiest, not what is best. And I think Fed coin and China coin and you know, yen coin or euro coin, they're all gonna be very easy. And uh, they're gonna, it's gonna, you know, there'll be negative interest rates eventually too. So uh, this will be, a, you know, you'll, you'll probably get all sorts of bonuses for, 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 for being in that system. They'll figure out all sorts of incentives to, to keep you there, but they, they'll just be, they'll be quite superficial when compared to Bitcoin. Bitcoin will be the true way to uh, preserve your wealth because with all those coins, those, those digital, I don't want to, those digital national Fed coins, they will be able to be inflated away just as easy as they are now. Um, but they, they, they'll have the, uh, they'll have the full pressure of, of fitting in that the government seems, the government is very good with its propaganda lately. It has gotten people to be such sheep. So it will be so easy to get them to be Fed coin sheeps. It, it'll be really, really easy. And, uh, and that's why, I, again, I love Bitcoin, uh, but I am not the guy that says it's taken over the freaking world and that everyone is going to become a Bitcoin. No, no. Matt, l listen, if you can tell people that they need to download an app and scan a QR code every time they go into a shop so we can track exactly where you are all time, they'll download an app that is going to have free digital Fed money yes. wired to them immediately, right? Yes. It's an absolute gimme. Yes. There, there you go. That, that's, that's your answer. That, that's how you, you'll get them hooked, man. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Man, it's crazy. It's funny you bring up Jeff Berwick, the uh, dollar vigilante. I had not thought about that guy in so long, but I found him when I started entering the rabbit hole in 2014. And I got to say, you know, uh, 
I'm sure Jeff doesn't listen to these shows anymore, but you know, thanks brother, because he was talking about Bitcoin at that point and he opened um, my eyes uh, along with some other guys back in those early days. Um, Trace was around then and Tur. Um, but it was so much different than him. They're, oh, completely. Like, no, but one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and Andreas, obviously. But you know that, like, you, like you were saying, it was tough. To, it was tough to find these. Um, but it's the the reason Jeff came to mind uh, was I picked up the um, the book of Satoshi the other day, and he wrote the foreword. I was like, holy shit! I forgot about that guy. <laughs> Like, what's he doing? Like, uh, did he really write it? I heard he had ghostwriting. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't know. Yeah, I'm uh, sure he did. Yep. Who's another another name from back then? Was Roger Ver? And what right. a name he what, what a name he what before the B cash stuff. Everybody loved Roger. Everybody, and he used that to his advantage. Was when he was doing that B cash stuff. Uh, before it was even called B cash, when he was talking about the uh, the block size debate, many people did not want to say anything bad about him because he was so big, but he was so well-liked. Um, they, they did not, it, it, there was finally a turning point where there was, there was no return. I mean, he really taken it to a certain level, but most people would have been criticized much more so than he was in, in the early days of his quest, okay? There were many people that just let him talk and talk about this nonsense and, and just, Gave it, he was he was the biggest freaking name in Bitcoin in still in 2017 by far and um, and that's why he had that's why Bcash was able to be what it was and so we're repeating the cycle right now like whatever he would do I mean the market would react in a certain level people would panic um, and now now we're seeing somehow Elon Musk has somehow become that like whatever he does whatever he is the the biggest guy in Bitcoin, even though he wasn't a big, like Roger Bayer, he was there from the very beginning. There was, you knew why Roger Bayer was the biggest guy in Bitcoin. Elon Musk has become the biggest guy because he was a rich, uh, one of the richest men on earth. He, he wasn't into Bitcoin before he had, but I mean, he, Elon Musk has created, just become this guy who can just, too many people put him on a pedestal, just like too many people put Roger Bayer on a pedestal. And what everyone will learn in the long run, I mean, they can just look back to Roger Bayer. He doesn't, what he says now, nobody. It doesn't affect the market. Doesn't 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 matter at all. That that's what eventually happens. The, the market sorts itself out. It sorts these um, pedestal of people out of the system. It rejects them. But there are times when individuals, just because we, we are still early, um, where individuals can have qu quite uh, quite a lot of influence over certain aspects of the the, the debate which can bleed into the price and bleed into the, you know, the momentum of the price, uh, which we saw now, you know, that this month of May has been Elon's FUD month. And, and I don't think he wanted to cause all these problems. I don't know, I can't read his mind, but uh, he sparked a lot of uh, interesting uh, issues. So Rogers, the big thing that, that helped put Roger on a pedestal in, in terms of, well, <laughs> in a negative way was block size FUD. Block size FUD was the, the FUD of the last cycle. Now, as I predicted uh, if, during this last year, the, the major FUD is, is the energy stuff, this uh, ESG nonsense. It's killing the environment. Bitcoin is killing the environment. 
And, and you know, there's, there's other FUD people still use, like there's not enough Bitcoin, poor people can't get, you know, they, they might start talking about, you know, we need to make more Bitcoin, that, that'll be brought into the, the, the debate, maybe that'll be brought into the energy thing somehow. But we're definitely, it, it's not ending, this ESG, energy, mining, um, blood coin, um, it, it kind of, that, that's a little bit different blood coin, but it's like, oh, it's some of it's dirty. So that's gets into fungibility and gets into regulation, but still all this, it, it's all status stuff, whether it be blood coin, whether it be energy, it's all these status narratives that we hear in the mainstream are bleeding into Bitcoin. And those are the attack vectors right now. And Elon played right into that with the energy stuff. So he's going to be, his name is going to be, so he can have this mining council now too. And unfortunately, uh, I mean, Sailor joined the mining council, I assume, well, I hope, for marketing reasons. Like, he wants to grab this thing by the, he wants to grab it right now and just take a hold of the narrative and marketing-wise say, no, Bitcoin is great for the environment. Great, Bitcoin is great for the environment. Bitcoin isn't destroying the environment. We're, we're trying to be good to the environment, et cetera. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think we should, I don't think anybody should play there that game that game but everybody's an individual they can if they want to play if they want to get into this environmental debate they can there's no winning it though but these people are stubborn they're living in a fantasy world where they think being productive using more energy is is destroying life when in fact the more energy we use the more innovation is going to be out there and we need to use we need to maximize this environment to increase uh just human progress okay and if we increase human progress and innovation we are going to come up with so many solutions i think we have people i know this is extreme but let's say if we came up if you know all these environmentalists that they, they think we're, we're you know polluting the world killing all the all the in the the animals etc but let's say we, we came up with a situation where if uh, all the deer on earth were uh killed you, we would have to kill every deer on earth. Um, but that would, some for some reason, that would uh, enable uh, the average lifespan of humanity to, to get to 200 years. There would be plenty of people who say, no, you cannot do that. You can't, it's destroying the environment. It's destroying these innocent creatures. But, <laughs> but that's insane. <laughs> like, and you, even if you killed all the deer on earth, we would still have their genetics so that one day we would be able to bring them back to life again. It just wouldn't be the original line of deer anymore. And we'd be living to be 200 years old. But there'd be many people would be like, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not the only species on this earth. The deer have rights too. You know, we don't, we don't deserve to be 200 years old. We don't, come on, man. Okay, so we, we are, there. it is a human hating world. They're just people that naturally hate humanity, hate, um, just hate progress. And so they're not gonna, they're not gonna grasp that energy needs to be used. And like, they just, they're like, they live in a depressing world where like the world is always on the verge of ending and it's humanity's fault. It's human, and that's not, that's not true. Humanity's innovation, using energy, you're talking, people used to take baths and pots back in 1946 or whatever. And, and, and it was disgusting. As late as 1946, I mean, in the Western world, there was there was some gross stuff. My mom, well, my mom wasn't around then, but I, I heard, heard different things. A anyway, um, no, so, so we, people used to defecate, uh, you know, just a hundred years ago, ago. I mean, there was no plumbing inside. I mean, in some countries, it's still, do people want to go back to that? Because that's what using la less energy uh, means. It's, it's just like defecating in the woods again. 
That's disgusting. That this that's horrible. How could we live that way again? That's nature, dude. That is man's natural state. Defecating in the freaking wood, woods and just, 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 just uh, dumb huts and, and, and just insanity. <laughs> and uh, some people that, that's glorified for some, for some people. I, I don't want to go back that way. I want to go further and further. I want two hundred year lifespans. I, I want the you know traveling to Pluto. I, I want it all. And that's you know that's something I love. I love space. That's a that's a hobby of mine. That's something that the internet has brought out in me. You can learn so much about exploring the solar system. Yet we have all these people like, oh, it's all fake. I mean, Jeff Berwick would be one of those people that would say, you know, the, it's all fake. You know, we've never been to the moon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but hey, those people are welcome in Bitcoin too. We have all, all sorts here. So, so anyway, yeah, the energy fight, you cannot win ar arguments with these depressed people or with these status people who know it's just a way to grab more power. You can't. You can't. So just, I, I think we should, as Bitcoiners, we should be like, yes, we, it uses a lot of our energy and it's creating freedom and it's creating innovation. We're proud of it. Stop lying about this ESG nonsense. Who cares if your darn corporation fits into some green paradigm? I care about your, if your corporation's efficient and making money and innovating and as a stockholder, uh, you know, if it, if it chops down some trees, it chops down some dark, dark trees. Are you making money? Show me the money, baby. Show me the innovation. Like capitalism, dude. That's what's gotten us out of this freaking, you, we don't have to go defecate in the, in the woods anymore. All right. So, so there you go. But, but again, Michael Seller, everyone wants to have their mining council and try to, it's, it's fit, fitting in is overrated. Us Bitcoiners should be the, the ones, okay, again, we individually can make decisions, but we we don't have to fit in. We are unique beasts. We Bitcoin gives us the independence where we can speak up. We are not going to get canceled. We can still get funded. We should speak the truth. If you understand this ESG stuff is just nonsense and Green New Deal is just a, a way to increase welfare programs and, and just keep people more dependent, speak your mind. And I'm speaking my mind and I'm not, I don't care about the mining fight at all, but I do realize that we're going to keep on hearing it. It's not going away. It really isn't. And it's um, that, yeah. And this is the problem, right? The, the, the misaligned um, incentives and uh, intention structure on the, uh, you know, the government side of things, you know, because people get that they, they win their grants, right? They, they get the money to write these reports and do the research. And the more fantastical they are, the more likely that it's going to get read and the more likely that they're going to get the funding. And then the government can go ahead and, you know, start, you know, doling out money in that direction to subsidize this particular um, next grand scheme of it's, it, it's a loop. It's a real negative feedback loop. And yeah, all of this energy fund is going to come back onto Bitcoin. And, but, and this is what they're taught in colleges today, too. This is, there's no questioning the narrative. There's no questioning the, the energy narrative. Uh, that, 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 that it's, it's, it's very bad. It's very bad to, to use fossil fuels, this, that, and the other. It's, uh, you know, care about the environment. Above all, care about the sacrifice for this mythical environment. Sacrifice everything uh, for it. Uh, it's, I, I mentioned at the top of the show, how can anyone pay $40,000 a year to learn this stuff anymore where they're sitting in their mother's basement when they can't even party with their friend. I mean, again, that's one of the best things about college was part partying like a freaking rock star and meeting people. That was, and you know, to be careful about the partying people because you can destroy yourself. Um, 
<laughs> be, be real careful. But, but anyway, if, if what they've done to college, just dumbing it down, teaching these ridiculous narratives, and now you can't even go in person anymore. It, it's, it's insane. But that, that's, that's, a, that's another uh, topic. But it, it's, it's considered normal now. It is, it's, it's funny uh, what normies can define as normal, uh, which used to be just so like insane and, uh, and, and radical. Radical in a bad way. I like radical in a good way. That's Bitcoin. I don't like this radical in, in a statist uh, control freak. Am I wrong in thinking it used to be college campuses we used to rely on to challenge narratives, right? You know, that's where a lot of grassroots revolutionary kind of stuff would, would be, you know, born in, um, in like uh, secret clandestine clubs in, in universities or colleges discussing big ideas and then trying to push forward change, you know, going against the narrative of the Vietnam War, for example, back in the day. Uh, that's all gone, right? Is that gone? Um, well, I, I've been, it's when they can't, when they can't meet in person, you can't mm. have a, you can't have a sit in. Okay. Right. So <laughs> that, that aspect of it is gone, but there are some approved, uh, protest, uh, they, they call them protest movements, but they're mainstream movements that are completely supported by the mainstream media now. So if you are into an alternative uh, movement, you're called a terrorist. <laughs> So like there's that fear, like I, that, that, that in the sixties that, that you, know, you, you could get into some pretty radical stuff left and right. And they weren't gonna, you, you weren't going to be put in Guantanamo or anything like that <laughs> or, or have a, a, a commission, a, a, a January 6th commission uh, brought about you because you had a riot or something like that, because you, you protested something that wasn't approved. Um, so there, there is a, there, this, this whole cancel, there was no way to cancel people back in the day. I mean, it was, uh, it was, you, you didn't have an electronic version of yourself. There was just only, and you know, that that's, we talk about technology. Um, sometimes you do have to wonder, remember people. There is a real world out there too. So if you do get totally canceled from the uh, virtual world, take it to the streets, baby. You can still, but some people don't know how to do that anymore. They don't know how to like call people on the phone. They know how to text on the phone. They don't know how to talk talk face to face anymore. Uh, and when you shut down things for a year, that really speeds that process up, where people don't know how to act like humans anymore, interact one on one. And that's something I encourage. Also, I I'm a big guy into technology, but during this whole nonsense, I have made sure that every single day I am outside on the streets. Every single day, when you there were people. You know, last year around this time, I mean, they were locking themselves out, out in their houses. for They were scared to breathe the air outside. So, uh, of course, so, so it does, it, it cuts down on the, uh, just, just the whole climate of fear has, has definitely cut down on younger people starting their real own uh, grassroots uh, movements. It, it's not the young people that are starting these grassroots movements anymore. It's, it's they're, they're well-funded leftist groups. And uh, I mean, they're welcome to do, and, and that the mainstream media is totally behind and, and just, uh, uh, but, but hey, with, with Bitcoin, you, if you want to start your own little radical movement out there, people, you can now, because you, you don't need PayPal. You, you're going to, if you try to start something that's against the narrative, okay, you will be canceled on many different levels. But if you got that Bitcoin address and, and you're, you're able to make some noise and you, you've got your connections, you'll be able to get funded. You'll be able to do something. I, I think 
Bitcoiners have a real unique opportunity to totally bypass this cancel culture stuff. And I have recommended to people um, for years on YouTube, you're like, you know, put a, just put a Bitcoin address on there, dude. And so many, a lot of people have uh, didn't do that. And then they start crying that, you know, PayPal canceled. I'm like, it's, it's out there. There's no grand conspiracy. It is all out there. If, if you say things that, that are just unacceptable to mainstream media culture, you're going to have some financial problems if you are stuck in the fiat world. You just, you just are. They, I mean, you're not going to have a bank account eventually. Or, I mean, you're not going to have certain credit card companies don't want to do uh, business with certain companies anymore. This is just, it's just a tip of the iceberg. So preserve your wealth with, with, the, with the Bitcoin. It's, it's unconfiscatable, uncensorable. You will quickly learn what uncensorable means if you get censored financially. And you'll, you'll see that because a lot of people can't grasp that aspect of Bitcoin, the, the uncensorable uh, uh, aspect of it. Uh, and, uh, but uh, you do, uh, you, you will grasp it if you unfortunately uh, get stuck in a bad financial situation under the, the, current, uh, the current woke culture. Man, now you sent shockwaves around Bitcoin Twitter the other day when you announced that you're considering or will be shutting down the show. What, what's, uh, you know, what, what's going on? All right. That, that's, that's a great, uh, a great question. I have become really frustrated um, with the behind the scenes stuff of doing these shows. Uh, when, I, when I originally started it, you know, it, YouTube made it, it was easier then. It, it, it was much easier. And uh, it's, it's become kind of a pain in the butt. And just there's certain, certain aspects of dealing with, uh, it's, time, it's time consuming. And I'm, I value my time a lot. And because of the wise investments I made, um, I, I don't need to do this. <laughs> I mean, Bitcoin has been very good to me. And uh, when you stop having fun, you've really got to reconsider it. And uh, it, it's just a lot of people, I, I, I've been repeating this. I, I say uh, my, my, my base message has not changed. Uh, you know, stick with Bitcoin. But I still get these questions. What do you think about Litecoin? What do you think about, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And like, there's a lot of people that, that watch the, and I give you credit with the, with the podcast. They don't see your face. The podcast, the, the people who listen to the podcast have better comprehension skills than the people who watch the videos, okay? And so, like it or not, I'm in the video world and dealing with people who have no listening comprehension, who have no, uh, just no reading comprehension and just want to see my hair. And I have nice hair, that's nice. <laughs> it, was, it was nice, you know, getting hot women and stuff with the hair. Okay, that was cool. All right, but that's a different thing. This, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about big, and I, more people, you know, they don't know what I'm saying. They don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Like, and, and they don't, they won't come, they want me to tell them your ICO is awesome. Your NFT is awesome. They, they, I, on Twitter to this very day, so every, every week or so I'll get a message from some exchange or some ICO or some NFT or some altcoin. How much will it take uh, to do a paid tweet? How much will it take to do a paid video? And that, that adds up eventually. Like, you start, what am I doing here anymore? What, what is the point? And the This Week in Bitcoin show, which when I had the, every Friday I had the guest on, and that always reinvigorates me. 
it always is like, okay, this is awesome. I'm talking to other smart people. We're coming up with new ideas. It's unique B stuff. I'm not getting as whack questions during these shows. But what happens lately, some of the real young people out there and some of them are very smart. Maybe it's because they don't get like one-on-one -on -one polite, conscientious human interaction anymore. But more and more people are starting to flake. You know, you, you make a deal, you know, you're going to show up at one. They don't show up. They don't show up. Just the weird stuff starts happening. They forget. Um, conscientiousness is something that's very, that's something I've always, I've been conscientious, you know, uh, throughout my, you know, I, I'm able to be respectful and on time and, and just, you, you know, there's just a certain social skills you have to have. And it seems like some, some of this has been totally thrown out the window. And some of it, you know, I could deal with it when it was idiots asking me about my hair, asking me, you know, to promote their freaking uh, fifth tier altcoin, okay? I, I can deal, but when it's, when I'm starting to see smart people with really high IQs, just like totally flake, I couldn't take it. And, and, and combining that with like the more, it's becoming more and more time intensive. I was like, I, I made an announcement. I'm like, I cannot do this anymore unless I get some help, unless things change, okay? I need some administrative help here, okay? So I don't know what I'm gonna do the next This Week in Bitcoin show. That's what I said on Friday the uh, 14th, which was, was recently. But, but right after that, uh, and, and it just to get all that out in the open was great. And in my opening of the show, I got a lot out in the open, which I just said. Um, but I did have people step up that want to help. And really getting it out there kind of made me have a new take, at least on the This Week in Bitcoin show, that now it is easier for me to do that show. So it didn't, my, my streak of Friday shows did not end after all. I thought it was going to end. Um, but I don't do as many. I used to do a new show every freaking day. All right. And I, I don't do a new show every day like I used to. It, it was just too time consuming and there just there has to be an end to it. And, uh, you know, my archives are out there, the 2000 freaking old shows. And, and so, sometimes I watch some of those old shows. I'm like, oh, my Lord, I'm telling people to buy this thing at 500. And I have, you know, I talk about the bad emails that I get, which are plenty. I get plenty of bad DMs from scammers are all over the freaking world. OK, but then I do get. Um, when we were around 64,000 or over 60,000, I got numerous uh, contacts from people. Adam, you made me a millionaire. And it's freaking, it's freaking awesome, man. And I, I, I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I did well for myself. And I'm proud that the people who actually had the reading comprehension, the listening comprehension, who clicked on the links below. And that's what I love to always give all the links of everything I talked about. I always link to it below. I'm like, how many people even clicked on this stuff? How many people are even, but I felt like I had to do it. Now I'm like, eh, someone else will do it for me. All right. So that I got rid of that side of it too. But I really do appreciate the people who did click on the links. Because if you did click on the links, if you did your homework after my show, you were in darn good shape. Okay. I mean, and I, I have proof of that. And I'm sure in this Miami Bitcoin conference, I'm going to meet a, a see them face to face. And that is so awesome. I love meeting the people face to face. And the one, you know, about Clubhouse, I think Club, Clubhouse is a little overrated. But one thing that I, you know, I had one good clubhouse show where there were people coming up, people who were only in my chat on YouTube and I could hear their voice. And I was getting so excited, like, oh my God, this is what you sound like after all these years. And they would say such nice things. Like I heard it from their, their voices saying nice things about me. And it really meant a lot. It really meant a lot. And I really, I thought that that was the most positive aspect of clubhouse for me. Otherwise it's kind of like talk radio and it's like a lot of these young people, I don't know if they ever knew talk radio, maybe. Uh, 
I don't know. Um, they, they seem to be, I can see how, uh, I can see how certain people could become addicted and really love it a lot. Um, but for, for, for me, the biggest thing was just hearing what finally, I like human contact, man. I like, so people have become too digitized and that's why it's so easy for them to flake because it's not, it's not like they're dealing with a real human anymore. Um, that, that's something that social media and the internet has done. Don't go down that hole, people. We're still freaking humans. We've got this great technology, but you gotta keep your humanity and you gotta be conscientious, man. Um, so I, I do enjoy those little things like hearing a voice for the first time after just seeing it in type all those years. I know it sounds simple, but I do, I do like that. No, I've, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I've experienced it nowhere near as much as you have, but every now and then it, it, it you know, it does happen. You're like, ah, oh, shit. Or you get to Zoom call someone uh, or someone, you know, a uh, pseudonym player would reach out and like to come on the show. And then you're having like the, the conversation is just, is really cool. Well, it, it should be pointed out that, um, oh, what's his face? He made his debut, showed his face for the uh, oh, American Hoddle. The first time he showed his face was on my show. Really? People were shocked. Yeah. For first time he showed his faces on my show. So that, that was uh, for, for a lot, you know, I, I've, I've been involved with debuts like that before. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, the biggest, the, the biggest thrill is when you meet the, per, the person in person. That, that's, but there's some people you're never going to meet in person because they're on the other side of the globe and they're not going to travel to your country, whatever. That's their personal business. Um, so the next be best thing you can do is just hear their voice for the, or see them for the first time. It's really a big thrill, but I am really looking for the, forward to this Miami conference um, because uh, there's so many people who have it because of very, uh, so many people who are stuck in California really, because there's so many technology people that are in California. There's no doubt about it. And there's so many Americans that are in California. What, one-ninth of America lives in California or one-eleventh? I forgot what, the, what it is. Whatever it is. I think it's one-ninth. Uh, but but so, so, so this, this is going to, for me, I, I've, I've been around this whole country nonstop during this whole year, okay? Nothing's changed for me. I didn't let this thing get me down, but plenty of people did. So this conference will be the first time that some people were on planes, that some people will see other Bitcoiners. And this is going to be explosive. It is just people are going to let loose. And, and just the, the vibe already, I am so, so pumped for it. And hey, this is not, this will happen all over the world eventually, God willing. Everyone should be working on having in-person Bitcoin conferences again. Yeah, this Zoom stuff is very convenient. It's very nice, great, whatever. We've, we've, we're technologically advanced, but there's something to be said about getting, getting the whole gang back together again. And that's, that's what's about to happen. 10,000 people getting freaking back together again in Miami of all places. So that's, that's in a week, man. I, I am pumped. I'm pumped for that. Are you there already? Yes. Yes, I am. No way. So have you felt it's already building? Are people already showing up? Well, not yet. People haven't started showing yet. Um, but I, it, soon they will. And I, I mean, I feel it online. Every week at the end of this week in Bitcoin show, I say, are you going to be at Miami? And usually I have three guests. Usually it's at least two. Sometimes it's three out of three guests are going to be there. Uh, so that, that's been eye-opening. Like, wow, so I'm going to meet some of these guys in person. Or some I, I have met before. But I'm like, this is the biggest event in the history of Bitcoin. It, it is. It, re it really is the biggest event in the history of Bitcoin. Because it, it's just so many of the names and, and, and that, that, that are even the minor names that are on Twitter and on YouTube and on podcasts, they're all going to be there. I mean, Americans, at least. I understand if you're outside of America. I mean, it, it's just a pain in the butt now. Yep. And, uh, and it's a disgrace that Canadians, it's even hard for them. 
Um, because to, the, the hard part is getting back in to Canada. They have to quarantine for two weeks. But my guest last week, I don't want to dox him. I don't want to get him in trouble just in case some authority is, is, is watching. Um, he said, if you fly in the Calgary, you're, you're pretty much okay. That they don't, they don't force the two week quarantine on you. But if you fly into Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver, uh, they, they're, they're keeping an eye on you or something like that. I, I think it's just, it's a, I think it's so ridiculous. Uh, Canadians and Americans, I, I don't yeah. like that. I don't like that line between us. Um, you know, I, I really think I, I, during my travels in 2014 specifically, I could not believe that I could not bring an apple into Canada. And from Canada, I could not bring an apple into the United States. I mean, in Washington and British Columbia, what's the difference between the freaking apples? There's no difference. It's just ridiculous laws. You got to wait in line. They got to ask you questions. Um, they searched my laptop. Um, that that was weird. The Mounties searched my laptop. Uh, that that was a very interesting border crossing <laughs> going into Canada in 2014. Uh, I mean, you get you're a single guy with messed up hair. They think you're. I mean, I got dark hair too. They think you're you're up to bad things. Um, I don't think I was on a Bitcoin list at that point. Although I I, I talked about Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, yeah but, but the point is that's all ridiculous it should be like traveling from maryland into virginia okay there's no difference between the canadians and the americans okay we're, we're the same we're the same we've got insane restrictions about people flying into our countries immigrating in their countries or whatever why can't we have the border open between us okay right there it's it's, it's we, we have very high standards uh <laughs> all right i i just i i don't i never got that and now it's worse now canada has gone insane They've, they've really adopted this China model. Um, it's, it's embarrassing, it's shameful uh, that they have to, I, I wouldn't want to live in Canada and all, Ontario is ridiculous that they're, they're lockdown that they've reimposed. I mean, in the, mm -hmm. in the United States, we've gone complete opposite direction. Florida is, it's just totally, I, I, I spent most of January, February and March here in Miami. And it, Basically, every, some people, you know, people are wearing masks and whatever, but basically everything's the same. It's a very vibrant community here. So if you're going to be at the Miami Bitcoin conference, people, don't just stick around the conference. You know, go up to Little Havana. You see real entrepreneurs on the street with, with Colombian flags, Venezuelan flags, Cuban flags. Their ancestry is from these places. They want to get the heck out of these horrible uh, Venezuela and Cuba specifically uh, because of, of, of they, they know what freedom is. And you know, in America, we have all these young people in the colleges that got the shade shirts on, okay? This communist murderer, they put on their shirts. Here, you go up to 8th, Calle Ocho, 8th Street and 13th uh, Avenue. It's, I was so happy. I see this monument to the freedom fighters against the communists. They've got a monument to the guys who fought against the communists there, and they and they've got it's beautiful, and they got the Cuban flag. It, it that that is awesome. That that that's what this is about. So I I don't think the Che shirt would do very well in, in that neighborhood. So, so I don't I don't think many Bitcoiners wear wear the Che Guerrero shirt. But if you happen to have one, do not wear one on a Calle Ocho. I don't think I don't think that's a good good idea. But I do encourage everyone to see. Um, yeah, and, and there's a lot of people that are against, you know, immigration these days and everything, and, and from certain countries, et cetera. Dude, if, if with the right incentives, I, I think the problem with the United States is we have this tremendous welfare state. So it's going to attract some people that just want to live off the welfare state. Um, but what are, what, for so many people, it is just about financial freedom compared to their country.
they know they don't want welfare. They want to have the opportunity to open a business. It's much easier to open a business in, in America uh, than in Venezuela, obviously. I mean, it's everything's the government controls everything in Venezuela and uh, in Cuba. I mean, you can't open up open a business there and stuff. So we 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 take certain things for granted in, in, in America that is, you know, we, we can kind of get down on life and say, oh, it's the government and the government does overreach here. It's definite. But um, the government overreach in met well, the government, what it did with the virus in some states, in, in, in the state of Florida, I don't know where on earth I would rather be during this uh, situation this last year than in Florida. But they, they've done the, they've been hands off better than any country out there. And so in terms of, you know, we do have to pay all these ridiculous taxes. We do still have, you know, to start a business, you know, you, you do have to apply to certain licenses. But man, for, for a person who desires true freedom in, in some of these countries, it is heaven here. And in Miami, you see it springing to life. You see them treating it as it, as it, as it is their heaven and, and really being entrepreneurial. So Bitcoiners, don't just go to the Bitcoin conference. See some of these, I mean, they're not entrepreneurs in technology. They're entrepreneurs in whatever they got to be an entrepreneur in, being a plumber, being, having, a, having a business. There's really a great vibe here in Miami. And uh, it, it was not dampened by the, the, the uh, situation this last year. But you go to a place like Baltimore, you still see all these places closed. I mean, at least when I was in Baltimore in April, um, there's still every, there's so many things are just shut down still. And there's just like, there's not a vibe. It's, it's just completely different vibe here. And uh, yeah, it, it's, the, you know, diversity is not, you know, people say diversity is our strength. And I think um, that's just kind of putting diversity on a pedestal. But diversity can be freaking awesome when it's productive, when, when, when people are adding positive aspects of their diversity to the culture. When you're seeing po positive things brought in from other cultures, and it is a real melting pot of positive. I, I really have a lot of respect for the Cuban culture and, and the Venezuelan culture and, and what has mixed into Miami here. It is, you really have to see it in person to understand it. And, and it gives you a different perspective on um, immigration uh, policies, okay, to, to say the least, and uh, what drives people to the United States. Man, you're amped up. I wish we could come, but uh, it's too difficult for a family of six to take a circuitous route two weeks before entering the US, still borders closed to Europeans. And like you said, it's just crazy. I can't believe it's even, these words that are coming out of our mouths, I can't believe we're even saying shit like that. It's just crazy. But whatever next time i want to know i want to know what you're doing at the conference are you running a karaoke tent or something what what's uh what's your little side show are you doing a side chain well for the at the conference are you doing yeah. anything for those guys i mean you said you like karaoke I, i'm thinking i'm imagining I, I should, you uh, in the karaoke booth I, I'm, I'm gonna just i'm just gonna i'm gonna interview anyone i can interview you know i got my media pass I, i'm uh I, i'll be in the media room i guess and i'll i'll try to get some unique uh, interviews you know there's someone i the, I want to meet Caitlin Long in person. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I just, I, I remember when I was first told about her and I, I she might be I, married, Adam. No, 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 that's not, I, no, 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 that, that's not, <laughs> that's not mine. I just, well, one reason is, is because I, she looks like she's tall. I'm like, I wonder how tall she is. I just have this curiosity. <laughs> she is so awesome. And she has a lot of energy also. And I had her on my show early on before she really broke out. 
Uh, and I was like, oh, wow, this woman knows a lot about finance. My Lord, this is what she really broke it down in such an easy to understand way. And it just, I, 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 like, I like what she's doing. I like how she's progressed. And I think she's a unique beast. This, uh, she saw the state that people don't even care about. She's from there originally, Wyoming. She really just she's really put an interesting twist and, and can really improve uh, uh, Wyoming. And just, uh, you know, just it, people still make jokes about Wyoming. People, ignorant people on social media are like, why does Wyoming have, even have a senator? I mean, they don't, they don't get how things are supposed to be. But uh, I, I just, I, I want to meet her in person. It's just, it, it, she's, she's, she's definitely a unique beast. And I was like, oh, she's gonna be there. Like, I, I've never met her before. That's, that, just, that just stuck out in my mind for some reason. There's all sorts of other people I wanna to meet too, but, but she, she's definitely one of them because I've, I've had fun with her on the show before. Really, really fun, just have, have a one-on-one -on -one with her. But who, who knows who else out there I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna meet hopefully. But that, that's, that's one goal. That, that, that's definitely one goal out, out there. It's just something that popped in my head. But she, she must be tall. I, 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 know, I know this sounds weird to people, but I just wanna see if she's tall. She How tall are you? I'm just regular, man. I'm five ten. I'm just like, <laughs> or five ten on a good day. With five ten on a good day, that's so it's really a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's like if I if I played football, it's that's five ten. Yeah, that's something like that. But uh, no, no, I'm just I'm just regular. I'm just regular. But uh, I've been shocked by some people's height. Like so, so some dudes are like six two. I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? I had no idea. Uh, <laughs> side thing there, side thing there. I'm just <laughs> right. I'm I'm pretty regular in, in person. I look a little taller because I'm skinny and I got this hair sticking up. All right, man. We, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop um, asking the final question and we'll see what little rabbit holes we get taken down um, because there's gonna be still some more left. If you had one orange pill left to give, who would you give it to and why? Oh God, that's that's an interesting question. Who out there? No, oh, I know. It, it, it would. He's already started. He's already started his journey. It would be Ben Shapiro. I, I I think he he reaches. He started talking about Bitcoin a little bit, but he he definitely reaches an audience that is normie and conservative which could understand bitcoin but it's probably very suspicious of bitcoin <laughs> so if he could be totally become a big bitcoin head like he's he could become one one day but he needs this extra push it, it would really get a lot of normies into it and uh he's got a huge reach i think he's he's getting bigger and bigger he's getting up his media empire is growing and growing uh but he's also going to get canceled financially he he still doesn't, I don't think he realized he's going to get totally cut off by some banks. Um, he talks about other people getting financially canceled. He is going to get financially canceled eventually. So he, he needs to get the Bitcoin. He doesn't have a Bitcoin address yet. So that, that's, that is one dude right there. Just, I, I think I gave some pretty interesting reasons right there because of who he reaches, what's about to happen to him and uh, just how he is growing. He is, he is growing. So he, that's, you want to be, you want someone on your team that is that's growing and who's honest he's an honest person he definitely is an honest person so um that, that, that's that's one right and who knows he, he might if i got that magical orange pill by the time i get it he might have already been orange pill hopefully but you never know you do know no and i actually i just want to 
come back to something. Um, you, you mentioned somebody earlier in the show. I've not heard of him, Doug Casey. Um, and uh, the, this, this word anarchy and anarchism, there's this a word I'd never even, I didn't even really know what libertarianism was until I, you know, discovered Bitcoin. Um, I, I think this is very much um, maybe, maybe it's, it's way less talked about in, in Europe than it is the US. It seems to be very US centric. I mean, obviously that these people are, can be found everywhere uh, with, with these kind of ideas and leanings, but how do you describe anarchy? Because that word alone, just like, you know, you, you think of high streets with cars on fire and like, you know, like what the I, hell's think, going on? I, I think of it as, <laughs> it's not chaos, but it can be chaos. Uh, the anarchy that I think of is not chaos. But unfortunately, um, it takes some intelligence to keep it away from chaos. And I think the guys like Berwick and, uh, and Doug Casey who talk about it, um, who think it can be implemented, it, 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 it can't. It, 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 I think on a small group of people, it's just no rulers. Everybody, you know, is, is working in their best interest. Everyone's going to respect property rights. You know, that it takes a certain level of intelligence and, and patience. And I don't think it's something that could be implemented worldwide. It would become chaos. It, it would be it would be chaotic because so many people just revert to like animal instinct and, uh, you know, um, might means right and uh uh you you can uh really uh in, in, a, in a, if you if there was no government completely in, over the whole world there there would become warlords and but if if everyone had a certain intelligence level and a certain lack of impulsivity i think you could pull it off uh <laughs> i think you could but i it, it, you know we have eight close to eight billion people now it, it could be on, on, a, on that grand of a scale, it, it can't be pulled off. But if it just means uh, no rulers and uh, re respect for uh, property rights and uh, respect for uh, you know personal sovereignty, just you know don't don't uh, what's it called the uh, what's the principle called when you don't when you don't hurt someone? I forgot the name. Of it. All, all, all these different. I can't think. Of don't it be right. a dick. <laughs> Basically, um, the uh, non-aggression, non-aggression stuff you know don't 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 aggress against anyone but uh anarchy is pretty much uh it's it's worldwide anarchy <laughs> peaceful without chaos is, is pretty much a, a fantasy i mean it's, it's something you know it's something to for people to it does open your eyes they like it is possible not to have a government you know what they talk about i did not it was the same with you i did not know that existed i didn't know like you know, I, the government was on such a pedestal, I didn't realize that there could be, in theory, I just, I thought anarchy meant chaos back in the day. But in theory, you can have a civilization without a government. You can, you, you can, but I, I think it does, it, most of the time it will devolve quickly, quickly in, into chaos. Um, but it, it opens your eyes to see how sociopathic most rulers are. Most people in government are sociopathic they want to rule over other people they don't they just care about them they don't care about destroying other people and uh or psychopaths even don't care about lying just just for the, the glory of power in anarchy there re really isn't this desire 
for power. There's just a desire to live. But I think for so many people, there's just this unbridled desire for power that will come about if you give them the freedom, of, if they have the, the, uh, a world that's anarchy. They, they just will devolve into power hunger, power lust. So that, that, that's, that's my take on anarchy. But it is, I do encourage people to learn about it, to, definitely, and, and to learn about uh, libertarianism and, and such. Really, just, you know, just read, read to, it, it, it does expand your mind. It gets you out of this left-right type of paradigm. And unfortunately, the left-right paradigm right now, it's just, it's just a team sport. Most people join it because they want to be part of a team. They want to fit in. They want to have a gang. And they are used to sports, and they're used to watching sports on TV. So it's just a, it's just a, it's a pastime almost. And if politics is like a pastime for you, I mean, I think you're wasting your time, and you're, you're not going to be as productive as you can. You know, learn about real, real philosophies, what they mean, how they can benefit you, how they can increase your, your knowledge base, and uh, once that knowledge base is in increased, how you can become a better person. I mean, I, I, you understand communism. You understand how you can avoid uh, certain pitfalls of it and uh, certain learn, learn from the mistakes of the past and you, you will become a better person. It's yeah, it's, you know, it didn't dawn on me up until recently, you know, left versus right, you know, red versus blue. Um, at the end of the day, there's one winner and it's team nation state every single time. Mm -hmm. It is. It really is. It makes them, it, it, it be, they become more and more dependent on their team, whichever one it is. Um, the more, you know, in the last four years, it's unbelievable. Politics is in everything. They cover the president all over the freaking world every single freaking day. That just makes people, even if they hated the president, that just makes them more willing to listen to their prime minister of New Zealand. They've heard about Trump being like this devil. Well, he's horrible. He destroyed the world. I, and politics is ingrained into me every single day. Politics is so important. Oh, we, I'm going to listen to my, my politician, my leader now, but she's nice and she cares about this, us. And I'm going to listen to every, she's going to shut down the whole country. And I'm going to, she wouldn't be able to pull that off, what happened in New Zealand, if we didn't get, make politics as big as it was the last four years. I, I, I truly believe that. Um, you know, that even though it was, you know, it was, it was this left versus, you know, left versus right, the conservatives were the evil ones. So she, she was the, the, the friendly one. And, and, but, but even if it was the reverse, you know, in other countries, they, they just the whole political it being infused in everything in the life made people so much more likely to blindly follow their leaders because their lead, other leaders were on TV every single day. So you just get used to seeing some, certain leaders tell you what to do. Or be, and it's this is really a sick situation. It Man, collect, let me tell you, collectivism is the default. Individualism is the accomplishment. Remember, collectivism. That. It's you know, I, I tweeted out today. We need to re um, rename the CPI acronym to collectivist pricing index because that's basically what we're talking about. You know, it's yes. um, like mainstream economics people making decisions for the greater good and you know we're told that the price of things are all fine this is what the collectivists want to hear and uh, oh yeah it's just two percent that's fine yeah you know we can you're like what the fuck are you saying it's i, I predicted it it's called happyflation that once we had right. inflation the media and the government would say it's a good thing it's happyflation it's happyflation 
we, we should go 7% inflation. It's good. It's good. They'll twist it around somehow and everyone will eat it up. Well, not everyone, the 80 percenters will, will eat up the, the happy inflation, the happy inflation. It's, it's happy inflation because they said so. Because you're, you, you can't argue with the government. They're experts. The financial experts of the government say it's happy inflation. It's good. Are you arguing with an expert, Adam? You know, they're finance, they, they have an MBA from Stanford or Yale or uh, Harvard, and they say it's happy inflation. How can you question the experts? Uh, you, that's, a, that's a violation of YouTube's privacy, uh, YouTube's policy. You're arguing against the, you can't have a show anymore. That's, that's a slippery slope, right there. Yeah. It's funny how you talked about politics coming into everything. And this was just uh, an observation my wife made the other day because we had the god awful fiat fiasco that is known as the Eurovision Song Contest uh, going on over here the last, um, just this last weekend. And <laughs> Britain got zero votes. Zero, right? So the newspapers in the UK are, this is payback for Brexit. You know, it's just unbelievable. But you know 100% that so many people over there are going to read that paper and they're going to think, yep, that's right. So what do we have? We've got this dynamic where the UK right now is closed, pretty much borders. The only way you can get there is if you buy 200 pounds worth of tests as you arrive or something retarded and then do a quarantine on top of that and the whole track and trace. So, and we're like fresh off the back of this Brexit thing. And now you've just got this narrative being stirred up in the pot as well. And we've got, oh, we might have to go back into lockdown because uh, the Indian variant has landed oh. in the UK. And you might, oh my God, these guys are actually believing it. They're believing it. And it's like, oh my, just stop the madness. Fear is powerful. That's what we've learned. And politicians love fear. I mean, some of them might be bringing up this UFO thing just to scare people. Just oh, for sure. Them. For just, sure. Yeah, because it's, it's nonsense. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it is uh, it, it, the fear. When you're scared, people, do, they, they want to, to cling to their father's leg. And so for so many people, their father is the government now. And, and these government people know it. I mean, it's, it's outright outrageous now how some of the, the, the fear is being used. And, but so many people are falling for it. I mean, you read some of these Twitter threads and that's what I encourage people to do. You know, when you see something tweeted out, just don't read that one tweet, read the stuff beneath it. Oh my God. They, you get a lot of insight on the way the normies uh, are thinking. And it's, it's kind of pathetic, man. It, <laughs> there's, there's plenty of people who would be happy to be locked up uh, for the rest of their lives almost, you know, to, to wear a mask for, for the rest of their lives um, because they're so, they're so scared. They're so, they're so scared. And it's just, don't be scared, people. Don't, don't, there is, I, I'm out there. I'm your, I'm your forward scout. I've seen it's, it's safe on the streets. I, I've been out there every day. It's, uh, I, 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 I'm breathing in the air. It's, it's cool. There's, there's no Indian variant, uh, you know. Yeah, and they talk about the, the, the Indian variant thing, what they scare you about is like, apparently they had like black tar in their lung or something like that in India. I'm like, are you guys, is anyone familiar with India here? I mean, it's kind of, there are a billion people there. It's, it's bad. It's, it's, you get all sorts of, I mean, you go into the river, there's, it's, there's, there's species. I mean, um, it, it's, it's disgusting. It's, it's, a, it's a gross place. So um, they, there are all sorts of diseases all the time in India that, that are really gross. And, and maybe it, it, it is, so there's going to be bad things and uh, you're not in India. 
don't worry about it, dudes. Like, um, like it, it, it's crazy. It's just like, and they got to name it a different variant, this South yeah. African variant. Everything's got to come on. Like, are you guys from? I mean, there's every year there's different flus, there are different variants of different flus. I mean, you've, you've dealt with that before, um, but you can go to any any country on earth. And especially developing countries that have a billion freaking people and find some freak freak show that's that's there, okay? Within a billion billion people, you're gonna see you're gonna find some scary diseases. And uh, if, if you've got a if you've got a media empire, I guess you could hype it up and scare people. Uh, and maybe that's gonna be the, the, the new thing forever now. Like <clears throat> all these media, all these uh, corporations and politicians are just gonna you know, find whatever scary diseases out there and just say, oh, it might come to America, it might be coming to the Western world. Look what looks look at these pictures, look at these people falling down. I mean, that was the China. Um, you know, yeah. One thing about this, this virus, uh, people are, you know, kind of obsessed, like, was it from a lab? Or was it from an animal? I mean, and that's interesting to know, who, you know, where, where it came from. Okay. But but I mean, the bigger question is, is like, why, why did China scare everybody? Why, why were there videos of people falling down all over social media and dying? And like, why didn't we ever see that anywhere else in the world? And, uh, you know, this lockdown model, who came up with this lockdown model? And, and who does it benefit the most, this lockdown model? If the whole Western world locks down, a very productive aspect of the world, and is in fear, I mean, who, who does that better? I mean, it's a real virus. I mean, there's plenty of real viruses that happen every year. Um, it, it really came out of China. Who knows if it came out of a lab or an animal or whatever. But the, who, the Chinese, the, the Chinese government, the Communist Party of China, they, they've definitely used this to their advantage. I mean, they, they've, they've used this to this. Uh, and so who, they came up with a narrative and some of these supposedly freedom-loving countries, I mean, have adopted an authoritarian regime's narrative. And people have to wake up to that. People, that's the, that's the most important lesson from all this, is that an authoritarian regime had an issue and they like, they made the most of that crisis. My Lord, did they, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste? They let, uh, they didn't let that thing go to waste. They spread their disgusting doctrine all over the world through this virus. Authoritarianism everywhere. They spread it and through lies and propaganda and that and fear. And they knew that so many people make money off the of fear. And they just kept going and going and going with it. They're still going with it. I mean, they're, they're still wavering back and forth. They're still trying to scare you. Like, what well, was it? Did we make it in a lab? Did it come from an app? They won't answer the question. And part of the reason they're not going to answer the question is to drag it out even more, to scare it, scare everybody. What, what the world should do right now is just be like, okay, you know, who cares where it came from? We, who cares if it was an animal or a lab or whatever? We're not being like you guys. We're not you. We're not authoritarian. We are about the individual, individual rights. What happened to individual rights in 2020? It got flushed down the freaking toilet in a beautiful country like New Zealand. That's just unbelievable. I would have never been able to predict that. Or Australia, who wants to do a fourth lockdown now or something? I mean, they are following China. And so, again, one has to question, China does have a lot of economic interest in, in, Asia, in uh, Australia and New Zealand. There's no doubt about it. And in Canada. I mean, do they want to fit in? Do they want the good graces of China? 
too. I mean, that, that is something to think about. But who wants their freaking good graces? Dude, you, you, if your country is run in a non-collectivist way, in, where the individual has rights, where the individual could start his own business, you're going to be the most productive country. They, it's that centralized model in China. It, it looks, you know, command economy. We're gonna we're gonna build a hospital. We're gonna build a stadium. Yeah, sure. It look it looks real nice. Everybody wants something done immediately. That's from impulsive people. But why can China get things done so much? Because they're a freaking dictatorship, dude. You sacrifice something for that. You sacrifice something for that in that centralization. And you might call it efficiency, but it is not freedom. And it's not, and it's state run, and there is no competition. It's fascist. So it, it doesn't produce the best results, okay? Over competition over time, it's going to bring you a lot of great results and it's going to bring you real innovation. They just copy everything. They don't come up with anything new over there. They come up with new ways of torturing people and locking down people and new authoritarian methods to stretch out their power, to stretch out their, their rule over the people. How long can we make this last? Because if they gave their people true freedom, they'd be gone in a second. They couldn't rule like that anymore. So people, people have fallen into this trap. It's just the most disgusting thing that's come out of this whole year. It's like, look, let's do what China did. Let's follow the Chinese model. Look, the Chinese are so efficient. No, it's, it's disgusting. And it's, uh, it's not freedom. We, we have the best model here, or we did have, have the best models. Let, let people do their thing. Don't, let, the, let them be individuals. Let them, but my Lord, all over the, individual freedom has been wrecked all over the world. So uh, bottom line is Florida is one of the best places for individual freedom right now. <laughs> no Karens allowed. <laughs> no, Karens no Karens in Florida. I mean, what is Karen in Chinese? That's what they should be called. That's what they right. should be called. I mean, really, it's like they're, they're worshipers of the authoritarian state. But it, it shows you, it's, it's, very, it's very scary on, on a certain level. I mean, it just shows you, you know, how, how what people you think are regular, they will submit to an authoritarian regime very easily. People wonder, you know, how so, so many German people just look the other way or encourage what was going on. And that, now you see, you, you scare them a little bit, get rid of that virus, that human virus back then. I, I, I would have been considered a virus back then. Well, you've got to get rid of the virus. We're just getting rid of the virus. That's all we're doing. We're, <laughs> I mean, that, that's what everyone's saying today. Get, get rid of this abstract virus which is which is a true virus you know by any means necessary many many people just they, they worship their authorities that much they want authoritarian governments people uh, it, it's, it's scary it, it's really really scary there is a certain segment of the population that is the type of government they want and uh that's uh just something to contemplate people uh but but uh, we you 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 avoid that you're in good shape. You're in good shape. But we really did. The whole world went closer to the China model this year. So we'll, we'll have to see how things progress. We'll have to see how things progress. Well, we got to educate more people about Bitcoin, Adam. That's that's what we got to do. And uh, you know, speak people your mind. like you, speak your mind, people. Speak your mind. That's important. Because authoritarian regimes, you can't speak your mind. So if you stop, if you give up freedom of speech, you, you're one step closer to authoritarianism. So remember that. Let people speak that you don't even agree. There's plenty of people I don't agree with. I I, I think the most hateful person of my religion uh, should be able to, to have a platform. I, I really do. I really, I, I have no problem with someone who hates me 
well, I, I don't, I don't like them, but they should be able to preach their madness. Okay. They should be able to preach it because if we, we start saying, no, you, you can't, then, you know, the people who deny what happened in the forties with the Germans and everything. So that, that didn't really happen. That didn't, really, no, they should be able to present, they should be able to say what they want to say. Okay. Let them say, because if, if you say, no, they can't say that it's a lie. It is a lie. But then what else then you, you say, what else is shut down? What, what else does the government have say over in terms of speech? So, I know there's disgusting things out there that people say, but, but, but let them say it. Let them, because I, I think this year we, we, we've seen what happens when you start, what, what's hate? It's what somebody else considered. What, they, they hate what you're saying, so you're not allowed to say anymore. No, come on. We, we need this. It is really, it fuels authoritarianism when the, populace, when, the, the, when the population willingly gives up their freedom of speech and willingly wants to crack down on other people's freedom of speech. So, um, Keep on speaking, people. Sorry, I had to go on that round. No, no, it's brilliant, mate. It's brilliant. Um, and it's probably a good place to, uh, to to stick a pin in it because we've been going for an hour and 45 minutes, it looks like. So it's uh, a decent length for people to tune into. Um, but before we do sign it off, I want to make sure that people can come and find your show, seeing as you're not going to stop it. And how to interact with you best, um, you know, is the best place Twitter or, you know, just, just give people the, uh, the details. Right. The, the, the way you can find me is disruptmeister.com. Just because I'm a disruptmeister uh, and I'm the Bitcoin meister, apparently awesome. Disruptmeister.com just takes you to uh, just uh, where all my old videos are. It just takes you to your YouTube page that links all my old videos. On YouTube, you just type in Bitcoin meister, you're going to find me. But Twitter, very important. Twitter, I guess, is the epicenter of the Bitcoin Meister ecosystem. I'm TechBalt on there, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. That's, I made that up when I was in Baltimore. I was into technology. So you can remember TechBalt, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. I've had that for quite some time, so, since before Bitcoin, obviously, or else I would have had like a Bitcoin thing in my name. But I, I, you can DM me there. T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T, Tech Vault. I, I mean, you, you Google Adam Meister on any of these darn platforms, you, you can find me. Um, but uh, I, I'm always tweeting stuff. I'll never stop tweeting. There's some dudes who've completely disappeared from the Bitcoin space. They stopped making videos, but they also stopped tweeting. They're just gone. Like if I ever stop making videos, I'm not going to stop tweeting. I'm not going to you know, stop being a guest on other people's shows and, and stuff like that. So, so don't worry, people. You know, Even if I do stop making YouTube shows one day, I'll still be out there in some form. I'll still be, you know, I'm not hiding. I'm not running away. Um, I mean, if Bitcoin reaches like a million dollars, yeah, then I'm going to have to like hide. <laughs> I'm going to have to just build a compound some way and, and run away. But I don't think it's hitting, hitting a million uh, in the next four years at least. So. <laughs> Let's not get into price predictions. My goodness, we could be all over the map with that. Mate, it's been uh, so great to have you on the show and to do this because, you know, I got to know you a little bit, a tiny bit on the two shows that I did for you. But, you know, the, the way of that show, there's four or five people all talking at the same time. So to, to spend an hour and a half with you going over all of this and, and learning more about you, I really appreciate you taking the time and, you know, everything you've done, man, in, in this space, you've, you've inspired so many people and you've helped people, uplifted people, um, taken them you know, over a million dollars, like you said, in, in some cases. And I'm sure for other people, that's just around the corner. That might be another two or four years. Yeah, be patient, people. And pound that freaking like button. Just have conviction. Conviction and long-term thinking. And uh, it's it's been 
it's been a high energy uh, lifestyle here in the, in the Bitcoin world. Life in the freaking fast lane, it changes every single day. I love it. So I appreciate, you know, most of the time, and this is a warning people, during the four year cycles, most of the days Bitcoin goes down. <laughs> but there's this, there's, there's you just know in the long run, yeah, the long term trend is uh, it, it goes up. So there's, there's you know, keep, keep it very positive and get out in the real world. There's more to life than Bitcoin. Uh, be, be healthy in mind and physical, physically. And so it has been a pleasure to, to, to let, let's do it again. Let's do it many more times. Yeah. And um, it's a shame we don't get to meet this year, but uh, one day we will. And uh, I look forward to that day, man. Take care. Yes. All right. All right we man. are done, brother. We, uh, let me, how do I do it on my side too? I think I have to stop.